Welcome to the Shift Gold Friday Gold Wrap, your overview of this week's precious metals news. It's Friday, September 6th. I'm your host, Mike Meharry. Thanks for tuning in. Well, here we go again. The economy is fixed. All is right in the world. And you know why? U.S. and Chinese officials are going to have a meeting. So gold and silver both took a big plunge yesterday. Early in the week, gold was hovering around six-year highs and was flirting with that tough-to-crack $1,500 level. On Wednesday, gold futures hit a a six-and-a-half-year high, and silver futures hit a three-year high. But the announcement that U.S. and Chinese officials would resume trade talks next month increased risk appetite and profit-taking. So gold suffered its worst single-day dollar loss in nearly three years yesterday and hit a two-week low. There were also some stronger-than-expected private sector employment data that apparently eased recession worries a little bit. How quickly the markets forgot the really gloomy news that came out earlier in the week. I'll get to that in just a minute. Here's what's funny to me. Funny, weird, not really funny, haha. I don't think anybody really thinks an end to the trade war is in sight. The reality is the U.S. implemented higher tariffs this week. The Chinese retaliated. But by golly, there's going to be a meeting! Okay, well, there have been a lot of meetings. So call me cynical, but I just don't see this as being that big of a deal. I'm apparently not alone. One report I read put it pretty bluntly, quote, Most market watchers are still not optimistic a U.S.-China trade deal will be reached this year. So that just goes to show how short-sighted markets are on a day-to-day basis. Bonds also sold off yesterday as that risk appetite increased and the stock market rallied. This prompted Peter Schiff to tweet, Both gold and treasuries are being sold today as investors take down their safe haven bets and put on more risk due to unrealistic hopes of an October trade war resolution. But gold and treasuries are opposite investments. Inflation will destroy the value of bonds, but not gold. Fund manager Alex Merck was also warning people about inflation. He said a thaw in the trade war is no reason to get bearish on gold, saying a lot of things can happen, and because I don't own a crystal ball, I'm going to own some gold to protect myself. He went on to say, equity markets are still overvalued. There is still a need for diversification. It's always the threat of something happening that moves gold. Merck added that investors also need to pay attention to negative real interest rates. Quote, when everyone wants to debase their currency, the only thing left standing is gold. This debasement process does not happen quickly. It's a slow, grinding process, and rates are only going to go lower. You know, it's interesting because aside from Peter and some contrarians like Merck, nobody is really talking about the Fed right now. All eyes are on this trade war. But nothing has fundamentally changed. There is some hope that the meeting might mean progress in resolving the trade war. Okay, sure. We've seen this song and dance before. Meanwhile, interest rates are still artificially low, the economy is still built on piles of debt, and it's still going to take even lower rates and eventually QE to keep blowing air into this bubble economy. I've said it before, I'll say it again. Ending the trade war is not going to fix the economy. It may allow things to limp along a little bit longer, if it ever happens, but it's not going to fix these underlying issues. Speaking of underlying issues, we got some really bad manufacturing data this week. Manufacturing activity contracted in August according to the ISM PMI index. The number came in at 49.1. 
Anything under 50 signals contraction. This was the first contraction in three years. It was also the fifth straight month of decline in that index. Meanwhile, the IHS market PMI dropped to 50.3. That's the lowest level for that index since, get this, September 2009. You know, in the aftermath of the 08 crash. In other words, manufacturing activity in the greatest economy in the history of America, according to Trump, is at its lowest level in a decade. As Peter pointed out in his podcast, it's weaker than it was pretty much at any point during the Obama presidency. Like I said earlier, the only thing holding up the U.S. economy is a debt-financed consumption binge by American consumers and the U.S. government. Basically, Americans are driving their economy with money they don't have. I don't need to say this isn't sustainable. Trade deal or no trade deal. I read an interesting Bloomberg report this week. It concluded that the nation's health as measured by gross domestic product per capita would plunge into negative territory without its dependence on borrowed money. This is according to data that Bloomberg compiled. In fact, the U.S. would fall almost to the bottom of a ranking of 114 companies by GDP per capita. Only Italy, Greece, and Japan would fare worse. This, ladies and gentlemen, is why the Fed has to keep interest rates at absurdly low levels. While we're on the subject of the Fed, I ran across something really interesting this week that I haven't seen reported any place in the mainstream. I found this on the Economica blog. For the first time since October 2014, the Federal Reserve has bought a significant number of U.S. Treasuries. Over the past two weeks, the Fed purchased $14 billion in U.S. bonds. Up until two weeks ago, it had been 250 weeks since the central bank bought a meaningful number of U.S. Treasuries. Let this sink in for a second. In a matter of months, we went from balance sheet reduction being on autopilot to an end of quantitative tightening to now we're buying treasuries and monetizing the U.S. debt again. I actually reported that this was going to happen several months ago. In April, the U.S. Treasury Department lowered its borrowing estimate for Q3 2019 in anticipation of the Fed increasing Treasury holdings as the central bank ended its balance sheet reduction program. According to a statement issued by Treasury Department officials at the time, the lower estimate was due to changes in, quote, fiscal activity, unquote. So what exactly does fiscal activity mean? Well, according to an unnamed Treasury official interviewed by Reuters, quote, the fiscal change related to the Fed's plans to stabilize its massive portfolio of bonds relative to the size of the U.S. economy. That's a fancy pants way of saying we're going to buy more U.S. debt like we did during QE. Now, interestingly, the Fed is continuing to sell off mortgage-backed securities. According to the blog, the Fed has suggested it will continue rolling off MBSs in exchange for T's indefinitely. In other words, the central bank is shifting its holding away from mortgage-backed securities and increasing the amount of U.S. bonds it holds. Now, this is good news for Uncle Sam. The U.S. Treasury needs all the help it can get financing the massive government deficits it's running up. The 2019 fiscal year deficit has already eclipsed the budget shortfall for the entirety of fiscal year 2018. This is another example of the central bank adjusting to reality. Just like it can't raise interest rates in a bubble economy built on debt without popping the bubble, it also can't ignore the treasury market when the federal government is spending us into oblivion. It has to monetize the debt, and that's exactly what it's doing. You remember at the beginning of the Great Recession when Ben Bernanke said the Fed was absolutely not monetizing the debt? 
Remember when he said the central bank was just going to buy treasuries and hold them temporarily as an emergency measure until the crisis was passed? He promised the Fed would eventually sell off all of those bonds. Well, not only did the Fed not sell off all of those bonds, it's now already back to buying more. And we aren't even in a crisis yet. This dovetails with a podcast Peter did recently. He talked about the fact that the Federal Reserve makes life easier for politicians by pursuing monetary policies that shield them from the consequences of bad economic decision-making. By keeping interest rates low and printing money, the Fed hides the nefarious impact of government spending, trade wars, and other bad policies. I'll link to that uh, podcast in the show notes page. Definitely worth a listen. I want to close out this Friday gold wrap with a couple of quick items of news in the gold market. Central banks continue to gobble up gold. Globally, the world's central banks added another net 13.9 tons of gold to their reserves in July. While this was the lowest net increase in global central bank reserves since August 2017, that number was actually skewed downward by a significant gold sell-off by Uzbekistan. Gross purchases by the world's central banks actually came in at 36.4 tons, according to the latest World Gold Council data. As usual, Russia and China led the central bank gold buying spree. Also, gold-backed ETFs added another 122 tons of gold globally in August. Total ETF gold holdings have reached 2,733 tons. That's only 52 tons away from the all-time high that was reached in 2012. Inflows of gold into ETFs are significant in their effect on the world gold market, pushing overall demand higher. Now, as you probably know, ETFs are backed by physical gold held by the issuer and are traded on the market like stocks. They allow investors to play gold without having to buy full ounces of gold at spot price. There are good reasons to invest in ETFs, but they aren't a substitute for owning physical metal. If you want to learn more about the difference and get some guidance on the best strategy for you, I highly recommend that you talk to a Shift Gold Precious Metal Specialist today. You can do that by calling 1-888-GOLD-160. Well, that is a gold wrap for this week. You can get more details on all of these stories and more and keep up with the latest precious metals news and analysis throughout the week at shiftgold.com news. And if you haven't done it already, you can subscribe to the Friday Gold Wrap over at iTunes or on the Shift Gold YouTube channel. You'll find links for both on the show notes page along with links to articles that I've referenced in today's show. Good news, I've got a new It's Your Dime interview that's going to be coming out in the next week or so. I talked with Jose Nino, who is an author, political activist. He was born in Venezuela, and we talk about socialism. You can find out whether or not Venezuela has real socialism. So be on the lookout for that one. Again, thank you for listening, and I'll talk to you again next time.